0: Welcome to the Explorers' Roundtable, where intrepid voyagers share tales of discovery and adventure and engage with scholars in discussions relevant to the science, history, and literature of exploration. Here's your host for the evening, Jonathan Hal Reynolds. Good evening. Tonight at the Roundtable, we have Dr. Zahi Hawass, arguably the world's most famous archaeologist and Egyptologist. He was Egypt's very first minister of antiquities, and has appeared in documentary series for National Geographic, The History Channel, and Discovery. He has been named by Time Magazine as one of the world's most influential people, and he has a grand lecture tour coming up in the U.S. this spring and summer, where he'll be visiting 23 cities to discuss his latest discoveries and his plans for future excavations. Dr. Hollis, it's an honor to have you here with us at the roundtable this evening, what is it about Egypt that you think captures the imaginations of people from every corner of
1: the earth? Because if you mention the word Egypt, uh, always it comes to the mind of a child or anyone everywhere. Uh, the pyramids, uh, the, the Sphinx, mummies, Tutankhamun. Those are four things that no civilization has. And this why this is how Egypt capture the hearts of people everywhere. How old were you when you first became interested in archeology? span I joined the the archeology span department at the college by accident. And uh, I finished my degree. I was 20 years old and I got a government job as an inspector of antiquities. And I was not interested in antiquities, but I began interested on the age of 25 when I found a statue in my excavation and when I found the statue, I said I found my love. And this when I began to be interested in archaeology. You earned
0: diplomas at Alexandria University and Cairo University there in Egypt. Then you received a Fulbright Scholarship to study at the University of Pennsylvania, which is where you received your master's degree and your PhD. I imagine that experience of living in and interacting with a different culture impacted the way you approach communicating your work to the world beyond Egypt in the years after. How was that experience for you abroad
1: during your early adulthood? No, it's really, it's good because uh, Egyptology has been supported and created by foreign countries. And therefore, it was very important for me to study at the University of Pennsylvania, a good library, good teaching, and this way I had a good education. When I stayed seven years to finish my master and my doctorate.
0: The year 2022 marked the hundredth anniversary of the discovery of King Tut's tomb. How did that discovery change the popularity of archaeology? And in what ways has it impacted or changed Egypt during the past century?
1: Because this is the only intact discovery. The only intact tomb that was full of gold. And the discovery as Drama and Lord Carnavon died and people created the curse, then the discovery of Tutan Khamun really captured the hearts of people everywhere. And I till after one hundred years is still there is nothing can compare with this discovery at all.
0: I read somewhere that when you were about twenty years old you befriended a sheikh who had been a boy in nineteen twenty two when Howard Carter discovered Tut's tomb. The sheikh's family had deep connections with the area where the dig was occurring, and the sheikh had been around to witness all of the events of the discovery when he was a boy.
1: No, there was a boy that he hired. Okay. For the workmen. Okay. And and that boy is name is Hussein, and he brought water in jar. But when he put the jar underneath, uh he found the entrance of a tomb, and uh, he ran towards the character. To tell him about the discovery one of
0: my favorite books you wrote is curse of the pharaohs my adventures with mummies in it you examine the lore surrounding various mysteries having to do with the death of people who had recently visited tut's tomb or touched an excavated relic do you find that there is still a large amount of the general public who believe in or fear such a curse and do you fault Hollywood movies for encouraging these superstitious perceptions?
1: It's because Hollywood movies, it's because of uh, Lord Carnavon gave exclusive rights to London Times only, and they write about the curse. But the real story about the curse, if you close a room and you work in the room, uh, uh, a mummy, the mummy makes germs that you cannot see. And this is why germs can hit anyone who enters the tomb and they die. But what we do today, we open the tomb for a couple of days until the bad air will go out and the fresh air will go in. And nothing is called the curse of the fence.
0: For you getting to do archaeology on a daily basis in one of the most fascinating locales in the world, do you feel like you're going to work every day when you get up? or, Or does it feel like you're getting to go on
1: a new adventure? Archaeology is fun and adventurous. And when you discover a tomb or a mummy, uh, you you feel as if you are uh, revealing the secret of the past, and this is why archaeology is more adventurous than anything else. I live everything in my life is do with archaeology. In my life, since the age of twenty five, is only working or excavating or revealing the secret of the past. How do modern Egyptians today
0: look at their heritage of ancient Egyptian culture and mythology?
1: No, modern Egyptians still consider ancient Egypt was fantastic. When I sent the robot inside the pyramid, they stayed up all night watching the robot. When we sent the, the, the uh, mummies in a parade, when we see the, 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 rab- the Sphinx Avenue, all of this really captured the hearts of people. Uh, in ancient Egypt that they respect the Egyptian monuments now and they feel great and proud to have something like this.
0: You were responsible for discovering the tombs of the workers who helped build the pyramids of Giza and they were buried near the pharaoh's tomb which you said revealed that the workers weren't slaves but were doing the labor as free citizens. It's believed that those workers were promised that they would earn their way into a happy afterlife alongside the pharaoh if they did the work of building the pyramids. A promise which was used as a sort of psychological motivator. Did you find inscriptions or paintings at the workers' tombs that supported your belief that the workers were free citizens
1: rather than slaves? We did. First of all, if there were states, they will never be buried in the center of the pyramid. If the were states, they will never prepare their tombs for eternity, like kings and queens. In one of the tombs, I found the following inscriptions The man is saying, I built my tomb. I hired workmen, draftsmen and craftsmen. I paid them beer and bread. I made them to make an oath that they were satisfied. And that is an evidence that they were not slaves. You made a major announcement
0: a couple of years ago revealing that you had discovered the city of Aten, the Lost Golden City, which has been buried beneath the sand in Egypt for 3000 years. It's the largest ancient city ever uncovered in Egypt, and it's been called one of the most important archaeological discoveries since Tut's tomb. What have you learned about ancient Egyptian culture so far from this excavation?
1: The Lost Golden City tells us about the artisans who created this great civilization. And this is why this is a major important uh, discovery that tells us about the people who made this great civilization.
0: It's a very exciting year with the opening of the Grand Egyptian Museum, which is considered to be the largest archaeological museum in the world. It's been in development for decades.
1: What has your role been with helping organize the new museum? I built that museum in 2002, and I was planning to open it in 2015. But because of the revolution that we had in 2011, we could not really open it. But now we are hoping that it would be open in November because we are working in, front, in the area in front of the museum to clean it, with Giza Plateau site management to be finished, and the Sphinx airport, and these the three elements together has to be finished to open the Grand Museum. I know
0: you worked for years to try to have the Rosetta Stone returned to Egypt from the British Museum in London. Has there been
1: any more development on that in the past decade? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm now, I'm now really, uh, uh, I wrote a petition a month ago and that petition for the Egyptians and the foreigners to sign. I need one million people to sign that petition, to ask for the return of Rosetta Stone and also the Zodiac from the roof. Rosetta Stone from the British Museum. And also we have another petition published in England for the Egyptian English to sign because we need to give it to the parliament to change the law that can permit the British Museum to give the Rosetta Stone to us.
0: You've been searching for the tomb of Queen Nefertiti for years, and if her tomb was ever found, it would potentially be the most significant archeological discovery of the 21st century. Do you have any updates on your search?
1: I'm still searching for the tomb of Queen Nefertiti, and I will start this September 1st on the West Valley of the Kings.
0: Can you briefly tell us about your grand lecture tour in the U.S. coming up this spring and summer? How many cities are you visiting, and what will you be talking about? I'm
1: giving giving 23 lectures in 23 cities all over the country, start on the 2nd of May in Phoenix, Arizona. I will announce my discovery that we did inside the Great Pyramid. Also, I will announce the search for Queen, the Queen, the mummy of Queen Efertiti. I will talk about, it's really going to be a very important tour to reveal for the first time many important discoveries.
0: Lastly, one question I like to ask all our guests at the end of each episode, is if you have a book or film recommendation, something that our listeners can dive into beyond this episode.
1: Oh, of course, I have many books that can go and read. Uh, my book about the uh, the Tutankhamun and the Golden City, also about the uh, Im- the royal tombs, uh, life in paradise. There is many books that they can read. To all you
0: listeners, you can learn more about attending Dr. Hawass's 2023 Grand Lecture Tour in the U.S. by visiting www.zahilectures.com. Again, I also recommend reading his books such as The Curse of the Pharaohs, My Adventures with Mummies, and King Tut: The Treasures from the Tomb. And be sure to check out the Grand Egyptian Museum in Cairo at www.grandegyptianmuseum.org. It's scheduled to open later in 2023. Dr. Hawes, thank you for taking the time to be with us here at the Roundtable tonight. It was an absolute honor, and I wish you the best in all your endeavors of exploration and on your upcoming tour. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's episode. We'll see you next week, back here at the Explorer's Roundtable. The Explorers Roundtable was created to provide a place for explorers to share their tales of discovery and adventure and engage with scholars in fireside discussions relevant to the science, history and literature of exploration. If you have a story worth telling, we invite you to share it with us at explorersroundtable.com.